welcome one and all to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, ahoy, Matt. Hello, everyone. Here today, you know, we, we podcast all the Star Trek, but the one thing we had never done was kick Star Trek in its uh, knee, which also... Uh, given the uh, the franchise would house its uh, reproductive organs, you know we do Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks, and we'll do Strange New Worlds, and we champion it because it really is that hopeful vision of the future. But you know you put out 800 plus episodes of TV, you're gonna have a couple stinkers, and for our final. Uh, episode, the smorgasbord that has been our uh, May buffet, uh, taking a break from the Marvel uh, Studios TV productions between Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the upcoming Loki that we'll be bringing you our preview of next week. We wanted to do the worst of Star Trek. So, Pete, we're going to do this in chronological order of series. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this concept was yours. Uh, I thought it was a good idea when I heard it, having now gone through the process to grieve the worst of Star Trek. Uh, I realized this was a great idea. So uh, would you like to go first with the worst of uh, the original series? Yes. So uh, leading off for me, Matt, with the original series, and there's definitely, now that I look back at all my picks, a, a theme, which is going to be interesting to see if it's one picked up and two digested. But uh, we're going to go to season three, the final season of the original series. And we're going to go to episode three of the Paradise Syndrome. Uh, now, I don't have the list in front of me. Is that the one where Spock gets a face full of spores? <laughs> it is not. Uh, this is the one where uh, they go down to a planet which seems entirely too much like Earth. There's pine trees and a river that in no way is some part of non-Southern California that they brought the production to. And this, Matt, is the one where James T. Kirk becomes a full-on Native American. Yes, it's coming back now. He's got the the extra chunky. That just had a post traumatic flashback. Yes, he's got the extra chunky sideburns. What sticks out about it too? There's a narrative device in it, um, which I don't care for. Which also um, the James Bond movie Die Another Day does, which is the kind of hand wave at one point and go. And Kirk was there for like four months or whatever it is. There's some huge chunk of time where he's there just as James Bond is captured for like eight months or 10 months or whatever it is. Um, But of course, by the end, Pete, because it's 1960s TV, everything resets and he takes nothing from his experience. It's kind of sort of what is done for the best episode of next generation. Maybe the best, best single episode of all star Trek uh, in uh, the inner light, but it's yes, this is rightfully, (laughs) this is rightfully uh, towards the bottom of the list. I didn't even notice the sideburns thing until you brought it up. But yes, he has seriously, seriously chunky chops there on the side of his face. But they go down, they see this like, uh, you know, uh, obelisk 
uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And then, you know, the madness ensues with him fully taking on the mantle. I mean, the, the, it, it's so bad it's good, if that makes sense, which is not the case with a lot of these picks, you know, where he's, he's got the, the full on gear and he's doing like the mystical, uh, you know, posing and everything like that. He's been taken over. Uh, but yeah, it is, I, I have to think it didn't play particularly well, uh, in October of 1968. It definitely does not play well in 2021. Um, certainly the notion of, boy, these aliens are so alien. They're like a minority species on earth. Uh, we'll, we're definitely going to circle back to that on my list in a little bit. Um, I do wonder in 1968 the notion of the the notion of them doing that. Like I wonder, obviously with our modern sensibilities, it's a little it's a little um, questionable, particularly considering Pete. I suspect people like actress Sabrina Scarf and Rudy Solari probably not native peoples. Uh, just my guess. Um, Naomi Pollock, who plays Indian woman, probably not. A native person and so forth um i do wonder in 1968 was this perhaps a novel way to include native peoples on television i don't know uh, i'm not trying to give it credit i'm just trying to contextualize <laughs> negatives now versus positives then i don't know watch it i dare you to cringe pete for me uh, I was tempted as well to go to season three in part because um, the episode Turnabout Intruder I almost picked. Um, it's the poorly received episode that I have actually intentionally never seen. Um, I, I, I like knowing that there's always going to be some classic Trek that's that's out there. That, All that, right, that's Desmond. Um, guilty. Um, <laughs> that episode has body swap sensibilities. It was the final episode to be made. It was the final episode to air it was the end of star trek at least for now back then but instead pete i'm going with uh, assignment earth uh the season two ah. finale it's a perfectly good pilot on its own but why do i consider it the worst it's because gene roddenberry had one foot out the door gene roddenberry was done with star trek he wanted to do this half hour assignment earth pilot nobody would make it so he did a half hour assignment earth pilot with a half hour Star Trek series finale before the surprise season three renewal. Um, and I think among other things, Pete, it's a reminder that great God, Gene, who was perfect in every way, not always perfect in every way, uh, including the time he gave up on Star Trek. Yeah, it is a mishmash of, you know, secret agent man from uncle. Let's throw in a talking cat thing. <laughs> It's funny. I'm like, is and we don't know each other's picks is the other part I, I may have uh, should have disclosed up front. And I, I think that's part of the fun of this, too. It's going to be interesting to see if of all the episodes in a uh, series and with the last couple, obviously, you know, Picard and Lower Decks have only had one season to this point. Um, and that was even a discussion, too. Do we do we do those like, nope every every series gets a pick okay nobody's nobody's immune 
it might even be two. And I think with those, you know, the question of being the worst of just what's there. But I thought Matt would definitely avoid this one as his pick. Uh, he's mentioned it a number of times before. Then it's interesting that you pick this one. Yeah, I mean, I I like Assignment Earth as as a viewing experience because it is a really interesting pilot. It's just I think it's a reminder, Pete. Star Trek needs Star Trek needs love to grow. Like it needs love in its soil, um, and sometimes that love is weird. Sometimes that love is from <laughs> you know uh, renowned, legendary, uh, Oscar-winning director Robert Wise. And the result is the motion picture. Like it's a, it's, it's not a great product, but it was, it was, you know, love was put into it. That's why, that's why people still enjoy the motion picture, even though it's difficult to enjoy the motion picture, things like that. So I enjoy the motion picture, uh, Matt, who I, I just saw in person for the first time, uh, three days ago after what was it, Matt? 15 months. I hadn't seen you physically. Uh, true. Uh, yeah, now that we're both vaccinated, uh, very thoughtfully gave me the gift of the art of the motion picture uh, for the holidays this past year. Um, and it was so funny that you mentioned this now. Uh, earlier this morning, um, a high school uh, friend on Facebook uh, called the motion picture the greatest uh, Star Trek movie, which I've definitely never heard the take of. <laughs> I mean, I have a soft spot for it. But it ain't ain't the greatest, and I wasn't even gonna gonna challenge you, you. You like what you like. I mean, Matt, you would you have clearly picked someone's favorite original series episode here as your worst. <laughs> I'd say it's everybody's favorite assignment Earth episode. <laughs> um, but I Spock in the bucket hat. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. There's that too. Pete, let's move on to the animated series, The Return of Star Trek. Um, and uh, what was your choice? Matt, okay. Star Trek is so many things to so many people. But what it should not be is uh, a, a chance to uh, put Satan on trial. <laughs> All right. So I, I gift you with uh, season one, episode eight. That's right. The magics of Megas two. Um, that's an interesting choice. Look, here's the bottom line with a lot of the animated series stuff. It's, it's a great audio series that has middling animation. Um, there are some great episodes like yesteryear. There are some fairly good ones when they use animation to a, to a plus. Uh, I think it's the animated series finale where they're in or, or season the the series premiere where they're in like the negative universe so everything all the colors are different and they have in other episodes it's the life belt so they can be outside and the aqua shuttle and whatnot um satan on trial pete i can't rank that last in part because it's going for something that's so out there you know it's swinging for the fences it might it might miss um for me the the worst is bem uh, which really leans into that kitty cartoon aesthetic. Yes, I get that this is a cartoon. Yes, I get this is largely received by this show, the animated series, when it aired. It was largely received by kids, although to be fair, the argument was more it was made for families, not just kids. Um, but to me, BEM episode, uh, season two, episode two, 
where the character can pop into different flying pieces, in part because you can animate different pieces and just have them slide apart. This is this is the animated series leaning towards the kids stuff as opposed to family stuff. It's funny. I hadn't seen the animated series until the early to mid eighties and Nickelodeon started airing them. Um, and I, I watched a bunch of them and I have very, very positive memories of watching that. And, you know, you don't even realize as a, as a little kid, like the, the voice cast that's present there. But this one to me, Bem seems appropriately cartoony. Whereas, you know, the original series conceit of let's do serious Star Trek, let's take something from the past and evaluate its sensibilities like the Salem witch trials. And then, you know, you've got Satan there. Um, You've got the character of Lucian, uh, which, you know, voiced by uh, James Doohan, okay, who, you know, if these episodes the animated series get uh, evaluated the the amount of work and artistry that somebody like jimmy doohan uh put into it you know they they just rise to another level uh but bem is also not a great episode pete take us to tng i This is where the worst episode of Star Trek lives. I, I don't know if you've picked it. I know I know I yes, have. Yes, it does. And I'll I'll direct you to season seven, episode fourteen. That's right, Matt. We're talking Sub Rosa and Beverly has relations with a ghost. Um that I think that Pete, that choice captures the following idea. Okay. There was the entire cast of Star Trek Next Generation had an option for an eighth season. Um, Rather, I guess the studio had the option. The studio could have made uh, an eighth season, instead went the movie route. Uh, Part of me, you know, I don't like the TNG movies as much as I like most TNG episodes. So to me, it's kind of like, ah, if only, if only. There are reminders in season seven throughout the season that I think that they had gone as far as they could go. Um, and I think that uh, uh, Sexy Times with a Ghost is is one of those examples where, yeah, they were they were running out of steam and, and probably did not have another 26 episodes in them. It's like the least Star Trek-y episode ever, okay? So Beverly goes to her grandmother's funeral and is taken over by this entity in Ireland here. Um, (laughs) Brandon Braga wrote the teleplay, and it was uh, a story by Jerry Taylor, which was based on material by Jenna F. Gallo, and Frakes directed it, okay? But this thing is an utter piece of garbage. Well... I think we can do worse, okay? (laughs) Season 1, Episode 4, Code of Honor is the worst episode of Star Trek, period. of Not just of TNG, of all of it, because it betrays the Star Trek optimism. This is the episode where the aliens are essentially human tribal Africans 
whose leader, Lutan, is swept off his feet by the blonde-haired, white Tasha Yar. This ends up leading to ritual combat between Yar and Lutan's first wife. Where? Where Where do they have ritual combat? Um, it, It's in a somewhat vertical gymnasium. It's a jungle gym. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, so it's Yar versus Yarina. Get it? Because Yarina is the African Yar. It's just an absolutely cringeworthy outing. I think that, again, where where I I genuinely don't know if um, your your choice for uh, for the original series. I don't know how um, earnest the attempt was to include Native American characters, even though it hasn't aged well. I don't know what that looked like in 1968. I know that in the 1980s, to have you know bare chested. Uh, African-American actors, you know, affecting this African accent. And again, to be fighting over the white woman and stealing her, it's just, it couldn't have looked good at the time. And it's just gotten worse from there. The presentation of that fictional alien world does not hold up well. What for me works in that episode and, you know, the, the controversy that came by the end of that first season when they were killing Tasha Yaroff is, you know, how well they build her character, particularly in the brief time she's on the series. And I think that's a standout episode for that character. Um, yeah, the, the little uh, the little gloves that they wear <laughs> in the jungle gym to attack one another that are you know, maces and boxing gloves at the same time. Um, it's, it's not a highlight, but for me, it's, it's not, you know, beloved doctor gets seduced by a ghost. Well, Pete, take us to what is now probably the viewed by most as the best Star Trek series, deep space nine. Um, nobody's perfect. Not even deep space nine, that forward looking series. Uh, what's your choice there? So we're going to go to season one, episode nine, Matt. That's right. Move along home. Um, I have good news for you, Pete. I chose <laughs> the exact same episode. I do have it maybe well, as move episode. Move along home. Alan Moraine. Uh, depending on how you count, uh, that might be episode 10. I know sometimes because Emissary is a double length. But regardless, move along home. Yeah, I, Pete, I was already, I was excited when Deep Space Nine came on, and then it was so different from TNG, I I, I didn't, my, my recollection is I bounced on Deep Space Nine early, I, I think I made, I think I watched most of the first half of the series as it aired, um, however, my recollection of Move Along Home is I was just rolling my eyes, um, as I think all of us were uh, I, I appeal to the Federation High Court for damages, uh, having <laughs> having seen it and having, I think, um, it unfairly shook my faith in what Deep Space Nine could be because Deep Space Nine ultimately was great. However, at the time, if that was one tenth of all the hours of Deep Space Nine that you had, then it very rightfully could shake anyone's optimism in this show. It. It's so against what that show stood for. 
um, but it it tilts on the premise. You know, with the with the space station setting, it was always who's who's going to drop by this week and what will they get into? And ultimately, that led to the fantastic, uh, you know, success of this show, which is its extraordinary extended roster of recurring characters. So, you know, by season nine or 10, depending on how you, by season nine or 10, excuse me, by episode nine or 10, depending on how you slice this episode, um, you know, to have an alien race show up from the Gamma Quadrant, you can't really be recurring anybody just yet. And their whole identity, Matt, is they have strange tattoos on their foreheads and they like games. And, oh, we will put the crew inside this board game which on the surface as a story pitch could work but then you get the dumb little hopscotch uh game that goes on that has been roundly mocked which rightfully earns i'm so glad you picked it i feel validated uh as the biggest piece of garbage from uh deep space nine also i feel like i can see that guy's face like if you just say move along home, I can see him with the the derpy mustache and the <laughs> bad hair, and just even kind of like the look on his face. I don't. I'm trying to quickly get a name for the guy. Um, maybe that was Fallow. Yes. Yes, it was Fallow. Yeah. So I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I maybe like derpy mustache. I'm I'm gonna go with derpy mustache. Like. I don't know. I'm sure Joel, actor Joel Brooks, is a lovely guy. I uh, see he's age 71, still with us. Lots of lots of acting. Um, I I don't know. It's just Pete. It's a tough. It's a tough stink to wash off. And I'm glad that at least at least he was working at least as of uh, as of a couple couple years ago. So uh, I guess it couldn't have been all bad. Take us to Voyager, Matt. Pete. I'm going to take you to Voyager. I'm going to take you to Voyager fast. Here's how fast I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to go to Warp 10. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one, just that it's bad. Threshold, Season 2, Episode 15. Paris and Janeway go so fast that they're lizards who mate. It's just beyond bonkers. It's proof, Pete, that maybe they were making too many too many episodes <laughs> and there should have been one one axed in the uh, in the process. So it's so funny that you pick this and for a while it was my pick and I think it's almost become too trendy to bag on this episode. And in fact, I know I, I'm not a regular listener to podcasts. My, my biggest concern, I don't want, you know, what I hear elsewhere to, to, you know, permeate what we do, um, which people apparently like to listen to. Uh, so I know that for the official Star Trek, uh, podcast, they recently did an episode, you know, talking about threshold and, you know, people liking it and, and Matt hates those people now, <clears throat> but, uh, I saw value in this episode as I was preparing to slam it. And I, I think you know, that that was important to acknowledge the idea of evolution. I mean, listen, it ends up in a laughable place that um, Janeway and Paris become gigantic catfish aliens. 
it, it is universally known for that. But the idea of super evolution behind it is as at its core um, a, a truly Star Trekian idea. Uh, Matt, I think we can ding Brandon Braga here yet again. You know that that great half of the famed B&B uh, story and and producing tandem here along with uh ronald d moore um yeah it's it's pretty bad pete so then what is your choice uh so what what are the worst parts you really have to ask yourself of voyager okay the the series truly finds itself as it goes along uh it earns that seventh season but you get that reboot kind of in the middle, right? And we jettison one character in favor of another character. So if you're going to unload Kess, okay, this Ocompen character that never quite found what it was that she was and then brought her back once or twice, okay? How about when you're still stuck with her and you don't know what to do? You do an episode where, you know, this character who ages at a different rate than everybody else, she gets completely taken over by another character. And I'm now seeing my own theme in some of the episodes I've chosen. I'm talking about episode uh, uh, 10 of season three, Warlord. Um, yeah, I would agree that the, the Kess character is kind of like, in retrospect, what a weird we'll even forego any kind of ickiness like you know neelix is with a three-year-old because it it it, it's fully in the in the alien um whatever it's by alien uh reckoning not human reckoning okay fine we'll just give give it a complete pass there how weird to put a ticking time bomb on a character like that because for all you know you know any character is the next fonzie any character is the next urkel um Heck, Pete, you know, famously Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, there you go. Um, Gene Roddenberry famously had to fight to keep Spock, you know, from the one Star Trek pilot to the next. And then it kind of was like, all right, we'll just keep him in the background as much as possible. You know, then, you know, Spock kind of, in a certain sense, being the, um, you know, the straw that stirs the drink for for the original series. So why you would do that to Kess in a, you know, I mean, it's. It's the next Star Trek show. You have every expectation as the show comes out in 95 that everything is going to be a hit. Um, certainly have the ability to kill off characters that don't work or swap people around or you know have them grow mature, whatever it might be. Why you would do a ticking time bomb for a character like that, I don't know. And I think your choice here is showing they really, really didn't have a plan because it was a big switch em up moment there. Unfortunately retroactively it holds up even less given that um the actress here jennifer lien struggled herself uh with mental illness and to have her character do this and and do it in such a over-the-top nasty way i mean if you haven't seen the the mugshot of Jennifer Lien, um, who apparently disrobed and then was around children and was arrested in that state. Uh, 
not not good. So yeah, like I, I I'm looking through the episodes here, and yes, I I briefly considered Threshold, and then I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't want to be trendy either. You know that that matters to me. Um, but yeah, this one is not good. So with that, let's move to uh, Pete Enterprise. They don't need the Star Trek title on it, okay? Because it's it's going to be bringing in a new audience. What? The ratings are going down? All right, later on we'll rename it Star Trek Enterprise. But Pete, in 2001, okay, I was ready for new Star Trek. I had wrongly faded on Deep Space Nine. I had somewhat fairly faded on Voyager. Uh, I think Voyager is perfectly fine now on rewatch. I think if you've been watching star trek nonstop since 1987 there's a certain point where you know doing it weekly and so forth i think there's a certain point where voyager is a little um a little repetitive but the opening episodes of enterprise present this imperfect but engaging third attempt to make star trek new and different but by episode 104 strange new world ah uh, we picked the same damn one uh, excellent <laughs> we, the, the the new has um, evolved into an exciting backstory about the M in Class M planets. And by the way, we swear we're not going to use that new style transporter, except now we will. And oopsie, you beamed up uh, somebody with some tree in them. Um, Enterprise would get better looking to the future of television, serial storytelling. Um, but this episode showed that the series, as conceived, was stuck in the past. Uh, also, it's a wait, we're hallucinating episode and stay tuned on that because that's going to return to the discussion shortly. It, it does not know four episodes in what it's trying to be an entire tease uh, act without our regular cast. So it's like, are they not on the show anymore? Are these characters going to be featured more on the show? Nope. These are characters you don't know. And, okay, there's a lower dexification that's that's going on there, and they're in the episode, one of which is, you know, an Ensign Groot, who becomes part of a tree, okay? And the other is, uh, you know, a, a scientist, uh, entomologist, who goes down uh, to the surface of this strange new world. But yeah, uh, getting uh, alien pollen on them and hallucinating really pretty bad and and what do you know matt it was a b&b episode uh story by rick berman and brandon braga well time came to pass where they were no longer involved with star trek the series uh you know the the field set to fallow and so forth uh then pete we enter the the alex kurtzman era although i think important to remember it was Really not fully Alex Kurtzman at the beginning of Discovery, but retroactively we're we're retconning it all as Kurtz Trek as we talk Discovery and Short Treks and Picard and Lower Decks and and the foreseeable future of Star Trek. So um part of what we're entering into, I should add, is that since we we now have um for the most part fully serial Star Trek, I think it's each episode is gonna get a little less blame. Uh for example, for me, Pete, season three of Discovery, the Sue Call reveal, um, I didn't love that as a reveal. Um, however, is that the fault of that episode, or is it the fault of the season-long plan, which may have been solidified months, if not a year earlier? So it's kind of it's slightly different rules that we're 
that we're now judging these next bunch of episodes by. But uh, would you like me to go first, or do you want to go first for Discovery? Uh, I uh, had you bring us to Voyager. We just picked the same one here. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw mine out, um, and it's going to be interesting to see here if we line up. So I'm going to take you to season one, episode eight, C. Vis Patchum Parabellum. Uh, that is my choice as well. Uh, another <laughs> another wait, we're hallucinating episode uh, in which Saru becomes the unwitting villain, uh, and then Pete, there's the Burnham Tyler romance that I think moves faster than the story warrants i think this was nobly conceived i seem to remember from podcasting this that they couldn't quite do what they wanted to do with the aliens this comes near the end of the first chapter the first part of that first season you know one of the is it five Matt showrunners of uh, discovery in its history conceived that there will be chapters, you know, like a book uh, to um, Star Trek discovery. And this comes one before the end of the first chapter. Um, There are things I like about it. And it was a tough pick because, you know, all right, they, they used, a a location nearby in Toronto and uh, it's, it's not um, a difficult episode to look at, but in turning Saru, who was by that point already a beloved character into somebody who acts against our crew, uh, leave the, the Burnham uh, Tyler romance stuff out of it. Uh, but then to pretty much at the end of the episode, have it be, and there's really never a rationale for why I attacked you. Sorry. And I think here's what makes the episode slightly better than, than it might have originally been. It was going to be the chapter one finale, uh, which ends with, and the Klingons are coming. Um, and then someone very wisely said, but wait, in the next episode, we resolve that threat and then send them to the mirror universe. The reveal at the end of the next episode, um, episode nine, you know, that wait, where are we? You know, we would learn it's the mirror universe, but kind of where are we? That was a better chapter one finale. So I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to have my bad cake and eat it too. This episode um this episode as a chapter one finale, which was how it was conceived, which ultimately was not how it was presented. That kind of almost makes it worse. Although maybe it's a little bit better because they made the choice to move the episode, you know, when they did the break around and whatnot, but it doesn't How about this way, Pete, it doesn't function the way it was meant to it doesn't function internally. doesn't function for the way it's meant to as the first half of the season, as a, as a mid season cliffhanger. Uh, it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives that strange new world idea, obviously talking about the previous episode from Enterprise, but doesn't stick the landing. And I, I think that matters in a, in a show about, you know, alien uh, contact and, and doing everything there. And apart from the story sin of, 
you know, Saru getting taken over. But wait, these are peaceful aliens. Why would peaceful aliens take him against his will and bother him? It, it's never squared up. And particularly as a writer, you know, watching that episode, I, I find it offensive. Um, Picard is tough, Matt. These next two series with one season apiece. <laughs> You know, so we've, we've picked the same one a couple times. It's going to be, see, be interesting again to see if there's overlap. Uh, but we've only got 10 episodes of each. So um, the the definite theme with, uh, other than the fact that there's a, a first season for both here, um, is early episodes for me. And uh, episode two of that first season, Maps and Legends, with, uh, you know, the introduction of Michelle Hurd's Raffi, who then space vapes and a really interesting opening act where they do this forensic reconstruction. But then and we know because of the way that they were filmed, it's really part two of a three part opening three episodes, but it's not very successful on its own at all. Um, I, I will be interested to go back and rewatch Picard when, um, when the all access, uh, pardon me, Paramount plus, uh, subscription, uh, gets, uh, gets re-upped on, uh, on exactly, uh, August 12th and <laughs> perhaps a day before if, if you say, Hey, let's not wait till, you know, the, the wee hours. Um, but such is, I think the value of the, the Paramount plus, um, subscription but i digress uh, it'll be interesting to go back and rewatch picard which i have i have um said very honestly has been my my least favorite season of the kurtz trek era um from my choice you know make dark star trek if you want okay and episode 105 stardust city rag is a fine episode overall it's a fun episode where they get to play dress up and you know the characters are playing different characters and so forth Still, though, Pete, with all these months and months and months since the first season of Picard, with all of that in the rearview mirror, the Echeb torture slash eye pull scene to me is outside the tone of Star Trek. Um, I think that there's ways where it could have been done more tastefully. And to me, that's that's a major factor in me placing Stardust City Rag uh, as the worst episode of of this this uh nascent series also i'm just going to arbitrarily crankily take off points for them not having the uh, og bruce maddox actor reprise his role now maybe that's unfair of me i you know I, we had talked at the time in in podcasting the show how actor brian brophy um who played bruce maddox in tng um had kind of shifted from actively uh, acting to teaching acting and performing um at um the Caltech um so kind of you know again moving out of the active world of Hollywood um so maybe they approached him and he said you know no I'm done acting it's a it's a it's a hard no I have to imagine too if they were like but how about one hundred thousand dollars how about two hundred thousand dollars at a certain point he'd be like sure I'll come out for four days um but Pete Stardust City Rag a fine episode still in my mind uh the worst of uh, of a good season of uh, Picard one of my favorite episodes of that show. 
So now those are fighting words. I mean, Matt, the, the beauty of science fiction, particularly with these series, is how, you know, um, things that come along after it. So you have Star Trek and then you have the original and then rebooted Battlestar Galactica. And I think they really drew from that for the at least setup of this episode and you bring seven of nine back and okay you bring a more handsome less creepy actor for the egypt reprisal you know he a character from voyager uh the actor really not a good person um and they give seven adequate motivation through the the death of a character we were really never ever meant to see again that she considered family and it's really established i mean it's it's the return of that character proper who had been you know tossed in at the end as a tag in the previous episode and now it's her backstory and her motivation and you know, that was an episode I dreaded. I feared like, oh, my goodness, they're going to they're going to do Vegas in space. And it works. Uh, I'll see you on one aspect of the story, Raffi and reuniting with her estranged son and the strange fertility clinic on this Vegas like planet it does not square up but i have a real soft spot for this episode well, well i will say i think the fertility clinic makes sense the saying is after all uh <laughs> money baby money so you know vegas not just about money there's the baby aspect too um pete while we're on the topic of picard i know that prior to covid and covid shutdown and whatnot um it was rumored slash kicked around and whatnot that seasons two and three of Picard uh, would be done back to back or something. And there had been kind of some scant California tax credit evidence and whatnot. Uh, just to update that as recently as last month, it's been reported that um, production on the third season of Picard was taking place simultaneous with the second season. I think production is a broad word. It could, it could be, Oh man, we know that, Picard episode 208 is going to be at Vasquez Rocks. So we're also going to do episode 302 there. So let's quick get those scenes written so we can shoot both at the same time. Or it could be, hey, um, you know, set designer, when you're done designing the episode for two, yeah, for, you know, designing for 210, start working on 301, that kind of thing. But um, I think the notion that the delay, the delay was what the delay was, but seasons two and three back to back. Uh, filmed in a 20 episode uh, kind of mammoth effort here that's that's good news even if it is my least favorite it's not my worst but it's my least favorite of the Kurtz Trek era shows that is indeed official now um that's what uh Trek movie has um I'll, I'll dig into the article a little bit here um yeah I feel like I feel like Trek movie is pretty uh pretty reliable here because I feel like I mean that that's been a, a rumored thing but the, the greatest uh, confirmation I've seen to that at this point. So John Delancey is reprising his role as uh, Q. Um, and there's an app 
there's a there's a service called Cameo where you pay people to do birthday announcements or you know other announcements, celebrities, and they debase themselves for money. Uh, and he has been throwing in his Cameo messages details about his return to Star Trek and mention repeatedly we're filming seasons two and three. And it kind of felt like, why would he be telling this to somebody in their happy engagement uh, message that they're just trying to get married, man. They don't need to know you have more work coming. Uh, But that's the only place I'd seen it, you know, softly, uh, you know, connected to some member of the production. Um, yeah, I see here this, this Trek movie article, uh, which is from, um, just a couple of days ago from, from May 28th. Um, the headline is John Delancey reveals he's shooting two seasons worth of a quote, very different cue close quote for Star Trek Picard. Um, there's a, there's a Delancey quote, um, that they quote within the article from multiple video videos posted, um, but we are shooting season two and three all at the same time now. Uh, apparently, Akiva Goldsman um, kind of has has not confirmed that. But then you do have Delancey out there just saying what he wants to say. Maybe Pete, it's just a very Delancey slash Q thing. I mean, they got Delancey. What are they going to do? Fire him and say? Are they going to Bruce Maddox him, Pete, and all of a sudden say, actually, uh, we brought back the Q two actor. Uh, you know, no, if Delancey's saying too much, I'm not saying that Delancey is like old man who can't keep track of things, but if it's yeah, like, I, oh I man. I think he'd know if he's he's read a season two script or, you know, a season three. I think he'd also know his, his contractual obligations. It just seems like, I mean, Matt, we've seen the showrunner tweet images and then, you know, Paramount, proper comes in or or the star Trek people come in and say, you need to take that down and they go away. Um, So it's interesting that I I guess they can't do that with somebody's happy birthday message. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, Or they might just be out of the the loop of it and whatnot. But I mean, Pete, if, if Q says it, it must be true. Well, maybe not Q. If John Delancey says it, it must be true. With that, Pete, we go to Lower Decks, which, of course, is the next Star Trek to come out. Uh, I'll also say, while I think, um, you know, we all spent time with uh, the last the last 2020 episode of Star Trek, um, which was widely called, <laughs> at least widely called by us and a lot of people online, you know, the 800th episode of Star Trek. Uh, then you kind of dig in and go, oh, Memory Alpha is including the movies as episodes. Well, okay, that's fine. It, Pete, if you don't include the movies as episodes, the, or how about this way? If you do, then Discovery had the 800th episode. If you don't, then Lower Decks, uh, I believe 203 will be the 800th episode. Regardless, these are good problems to have to reach the 800th episode point. Um, so Lower Decks, in a certain sense, the least... Uh, the least ambitious. I don't mean that as a slam against the show. Lower Decks is not trying to reinvent Star Trek. Lower Decks is trying to take you back to a familiar spot, um, mm-hmm. but with with unfamiliar people and whatnot. So it almost hurts Pete that we need to find a worst from Lower Decks <laughs> in does. part in part because I think that first season was so 
so well conceived it knew what it wanted to be unlike a lot of these season one episodes we've discussed today where they're still figuring things out they had the entire tone the, the entire tone is consistent the feels consistent the stakes are consistent but still pete we need to find a runt in the litter so uh what was your choice the the theme for me looking back is the number of early run episodes of each of these series and the second episode is often the pilot for the rest of the show here's what the tone is going to be uh but episode uh two um of this first season here on boys it it doesn't quite as successfully get at what this series is as the subsequent episodes this is the one where boimler you know uh he's he's continuing to doubt himself um and uh he goes on a mission with uh with beckett uh and there's a uh there's a klingon that she knows uh from from back in the day and and they go on adventures and uh the other part of the episode I really like, which is uh, Rutherford trying out all these different divisions, moving from engineering into command and the sciences. And he's super concerned with each passing boss that he's got to say, you know, hey, I'm not finding fulfillment here. I, I need to go elsewhere uh, that they're going to get upset. And they're like, no, man, it's Starfleet. Go, go find what it is that makes you happy. So. It's really just a half episode ding. The stuff with the Klingon, I think, is is cliche and unsuccessful. For me, I'd say my least favorite, because, again, the tone is consistent in the show, but my least favorite is uh, Much Ado About Boimler, episode 7, 107, if only because of the forced sleight of hand that makes Boims and us think that the reparative, the farm, is a fake out. It's just kind of... I'll say it's manipulating the audience. I'm saying that without being too too chastising about the word there, but it's like they're leaning into the fake out. I think to a to a degree that's that's a little unfair. Um, the entire season is super strong, nonetheless, in terms of being what it wants to be. Um, th- this episode, it's not a it's not a best trek ever, um, but I think the indeed all of all of season one might might not be best trek ever, but this is an entire season that is successful, but. There you go, Pete. I'm making much ado about much ado about Boimler. You don't know how to pick the worst of this series. This is an eminently watchable episode between him shifting out of phase and the hilarity that ensues there. And then, you know, the the mystery ship that has to be bringing him to the worst place ever that doesn't. But also the return of the black cat suits and a, a secret mission that are. A uh, bridge crew goes on to sideline them for the episode and to get uh, Beckett with, you know, the the former, uh, you know, uh, Starfleet Academy classmate now turned a captain. This is amongst the better episodes of Lower Decks. Well, Pete, we've come to the end here. Uh, looking at these worst episodes, proposed worst episodes of Star Trek. Um, I know it's, 
I'm looking forward to the return of Star Trek to uh, our pop culture podcast feed when Lower Decks returns in the middle of August. It's a long way off now, but Pete, can you believe it was only two and a half months ago we were still talking new WandaVision episodes? So uh, time a construct, but one that keeps on marching nonetheless. And I don't know. We have we we have lots and lots of Star Trek ahead of us. Currently, what Discovery undated? We know Picard will be sometime next year, probably. Coincidentally, Pete, probably it'll be just like it was last year, in ter- or or in recent years, in terms of you know we know Lower Decks in August, Fall Time Discovery, Winter Time Picard, and so forth. So good Star Trek problems to have. I think we're gonna get uh, the new animated show, the the one that will eventually move to Nickelodeon after Paramount Plus. Not quite sure why they're doing it that way. Uh, Prodigy will break up some live action again, so you don't have like with like. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to digging into all those. But next, Matt, and next week, our preview of Loki coming at you. But in the meantime, why don't you hit us up on your worst episodes of Star Trek? Yes, Pete. Can't wait to hear from people on social media to hear their choices of the worst of Star Trek. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,977 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me a touch of the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, all part of the Fantastic Fleet, also with the P and the H. For those listening on our Star Trek podcasts, uh, again, putting Star Trek uh, back in, I guess not carbonite, maybe suspended animation in the transporter (laughs) buffer, uh, but really looking forward on the Pop Culture Podcast feed next week continuing to talk uh about loki as that series gets ready to drop and we have a uh, a marvel uh june and july for now though pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word talk to you soon 